See, we're in a series in Joshua at the moment as well, so this is kind of in Joshua. We're in a, in a process of crossing the Jordan and claiming our inheritance and uh, living in this land that God has given to us. However, this land that God is giving to us actually means all of us to be taking hold of and participating in what He's doing with us. Everybody's contributing, everybody's participating, everybody's in. And uh, as we minister, actually, because that land, what it looks like is it looks like people. And it looks like a church filled with the Spirit of God ministering to people and taking ground and taking land. And that, that's, the, that's the, the, the whole point of Joshua, is actually stepping into a new season of inheritance. And what I want to talk about tonight, I want to talk about tonight is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because actually to be a ministry team, you cannot fully function as a minister in God without being baptized by the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is distinctly different and consequent to when you are being, being indwelt by the Spirit when you get saved. When you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You become in that moment a temple, a place where God dwells. And so the Spirit of God is in you. But what we see with Jesus, who was, who was birthed by the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit, he has a moment when he gets baptized in water by John the baptizer in the Jordan, in the River Jordan, that same River Jordan that actually the, the Israelites cross over into their inheritance with. Actually, what Jesus is saying there is he's saying, actually, I'm getting baptized, and everybody that gets baptized in me actually gets to cross this river. And, and so there's this baptism of Jesus in water. And as he comes out of the water, it says in Luke that the, the heavens are opened up or torn open, and the Spirit of God comes upon him like a dove and rests on him and remains on him. And you start to see this, the, the Spirit of God on Jesus, not just the Spirit of God in Jesus. And Hilton Mandel preached this, this weekend, and he said this. He said, the Spirit of God in you is for you, but the Spirit of God on you is for others. The Spirit of God in you is for you, but the Spirit of God on you is for the others. And I want to talk about that Spirit of God on you that is for others tonight. And so we're going to track through the Scriptures, very simply track through the Scriptures and have a look at what this looks like. We have uh, next, not this Sunday, the following Sunday on the morning of the 24th, we're having Jean Guthrie come and minister with us. She is a lady that is an older lady. She's a business lady. And she's a lady that really has an anointing, has, a, has, a, has something by, given by God to release this baptism of the Holy Spirit en masse. And I'm, we are trusting that the timing of that and the series that we're in, the weekend that we just had with the leaders, it's God is putting, God is coming on us, friends. And when God comes on us, He doesn't come on us for our sake, He comes on us for other people's sake. And so what we're going to have a look at is just have a look at the Scriptures here. I was reading this, morning, this afternoon about some of the great men of God. D.L. Moody. It says in his biography, I, he says, I used to operate by the flesh. And two old ladies used to come and say to me, D.L. Moody, we're praying for you. And he would go to them and say, what are you praying for me? Rather pray for the unsaved. And they say, no, 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 we're praying that the power of God comes on you. And he eventually got interested in this and started not only waiting for them to pray with him, but, but he went and prayed with them. And he used to pursue God and say, God, I want that power. And one day on his way to England, as he was walking up Wall Street, he was walking in the hustle bustle of, of New York City, he walked in and, and, and suddenly something came on him 
the, the answer to his prayer came on him. He got, he got so um, overwhelmed by the presence of God that he had to go and find a room. And for hours he spent weeping under the presence of God. And he came out of that room a different place. When he spoke, the power of God moved. People got saved and things started to happen. I read about uh, uh, Finney, Charles Finney. Charles Finney, he said, I used to operate by the flesh. I used to see people saved, but it was by the flesh. That's what these guys admit. He said he got baptized by the Spirit of God. Baptized by the Spirit of God. And to the point that when he would get up to preach, friends, when he got up to preach, he would hardly start speaking and people would start weeping under repentance before God. The, the presence of God was so powerful through his life. And all these great revivalists, lots of them, one after the other, had the significant experience of being baptized by the Spirit of God and being released into ministry at a greater level than what they ever experienced before that. And friends, I want to say that we're going to look tonight that that baptism is available for every single one of us. Let me not get ahead of myself. If you can look, turn to Luke chapter 24, that would be fantastic. Luke chapter 24. I used to have Luke in my Bible. There we go, found it again. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. He said to them, this is what I will have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. I said this morning, we as a church, as a people, as Christians, we've got to have a global heart, not just the local heart. Actually, what God puts in us when Jesus dies and we apply the blood of the Lamb to us, when, G when we take the blood of Jesus and we apply it to our lives, actually what happens, he gets us ready for the nations, friends. And these guys get put in place and they say, actually, Jesus died, Forgiveness of sin so that his name can be preached in all nations. Every nation. Not just close nations, not just African nations, Western nations, Eastern nations, every nation. And actually every single one of us have got a message to share around the blood of Jesus and around the testimony that God has done in our life. And by the power of his spirit, by being baptized by the spirit, we can be preaching that message in anywhere in the world and we can see God move. But the question is this, do we believe that and do we understand that? So he says, yeah, I preach his name in all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, beginning in Durban. Preach his name by the power of the Spirit. You are witnesses of these things, he says to them. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He says to them, I'm going to send you this gift, but you're going to have to stay in the city. I want you to go and preach the gospel. I want you to take this name. I want you to take this message to all the nations. But before you move out of the city, starting in Jerusalem, before you move out of the city, what I want you to do is I want you to wait for him to, to give you the promise that my father is giving. Don't move. This is how serious Jesus was to his disciples, to his apostles that he had selected. Then Jesus was ascended. Let's move quickly to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. 
So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Acts chapter 1 verse 6. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They ask him, the resurrected Jesus is standing there. And he says to them, I'm going to, and they ask him, they say, God, are you now, now that you're resurrected, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you, is this it now? Is this, it's all going to happen now? And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing it. It's not for you to know the times and dates of when that's going to happen. But in the meantime, what's going to happen is, actually, the promise, the gift of the Father is going to come on you, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the world. And so actually what God, he says this, Jesus says this, actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit in such a way that the witness that you bear is going to be so powerful that it's going to impact people's lives. And you see that word witnesses. You see, friends, we are not given the Holy Spirit to fall over, wriggle on the floor, get up and not do anything. We are given the Holy Spirit to change us, to fundamentally shift something in us as we immerse ourselves, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's the same word, baptism in water, where you are immersed in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the same way, we are immersed in the Holy Spirit, ready for ministry. And he says to them, I'm going to make you witnesses. You see, a good witness has got to have first-hand information. A credible witness has first-hand information. If you get up on the witness stand and you say, no, well, and, and, there's a, and there's a murder or something's gone wrong, and they say to you, well, what did you see, sir? And you, go to, and you come and say, yeah, well, uh, my brother's brother, they saw this, and then they told me this, and so that's what happened. They're like, so you didn't see it? Yeah, well, I was told about it. No, so you didn't see it. Okay, get off the stand. You see, what God wants to do with us, friends, what Jesus wants to put in us as a church, He wants us to be credible witnesses, first-hand witnesses of this power that is available to us, friends. This person of Jesus, we want to know Him, we want to see Him, we want to smell Him, we want to touch Him, we want, to, we, want to, we want every part of Him so that we can be these people that when we go to somebody and say, actually, this is what Jesus has done for me, this is what Jesus is and this is who He is, that when they hear us, they can sense that this person knows Jesus personally, not secondhand revelation. And so what he says here, he says, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit on you so that you can be witnesses, boldly proclaiming my name into the nations, not only into Durban, not only into KZN, but into South Africa, into the continent of Africa. And friends, we have such a, we, 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 we somehow think that, uh, I was saying this morning as well, somehow we think that actually there's, in the past, we've had, we've had Western countries sending missionaries to Africa. The, the, the incredible thing now, friends, is that the mission field is no longer Africa or just Africa. It's actually those Western countries who are now in a post-Christian world where they not only don't know Jesus, they hate Jesus. They don't want Jesus. It's not like Jesus, I want to tell you about Jesus and in a pre-Christian world where, where I want to tell you about Jesus. Well, who is he? I'm intrigued. Please tell me more. They're in a post-Christian world where they've heard that Jesus, they've seen the mess of the church, they've seen all sorts of things, and they are antagonistic against Jesus. And guess what, friends? God is going to send people from Africa 
to the United States of America. And God is going to send people from Africa into Europe and into London and into these places where they're post-Christian and hate Jesus. And we're going to come with power, with the message of Jesus, with a lived out life and a powerful message that will change them and touch them and bring healing to them. But friends, that's not me. It's us. It's every single one of us. Let's move along from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, remember now, when the, remember now, Jesus said, don't leave the city. They go and wait for 10 days after Jesus died to this day called Pentecost. One thing we've got to know is the gospel story is not just the death of Jesus. So on Easter Sunday or Easter weekend, we pump up Good Friday. Good Friday is not good news. Good Friday without Easter Sunday, not good news. Bad news. But, Je- but Jesus needed to die. It's good news after the resurrection. Easter Friday is amazing. Easter Friday, when the death of Jesus, who pays for the penalty of our sin, it's not just that. It's the death of Jesus. It's the burial of Jesus. He was so dead, he was buried. And then the resurrection of Jesus, which makes, the good, makes bad Friday good Friday. Because now this death comes, after this death comes resurrection life. But friend, that's not the end of the gospel story. The next step of the story is Pentecost. Where God, where Jesus pours out the Spirit on His church and on His people as we're about to read now in Acts chapter 2 and releases them into the world with power as though He was walking with them in person Himself. And then we have the ascension. The ascension when Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father and from that place He releases the Ephesians 4 gifts to bless the church. And he releases gifts to the church so the church can become all it can be. The people of God can become whole and formed and like him. But that story is all of the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection, Pentecost, ascension. That's the gospel story. That's the full package. We never just live an Easter Sunday and forget about Pentecost. And what we're reading here is the impact that Pentecost had on the early church. Look at what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. You see, this group of people are listening to Jesus. He said, don't move until you've received the promise. They for 10 days don't move. They get together in a room and they pray. And they say, God, I wonder if they knew what they were praying for. They just, they just said, Jesus just said we must pray. So they're in there praying, expecting, hungering, say, God, we, you've given us this commission. How do we do this? What does this look like? Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, he asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs, 
we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. You see, friends, the Spirit of God comes on this group of people and instantly their response to the Spirit of God coming upon them is they start speaking a language that starts to minister to those around them. In a language that they don't necessarily know that was given to them by the Spirit of God. You see, God is shouting out loud and clear, I want my church and the nations boldly witnessing to me. I want my church in South Africa boldly witnessing to the neighbors around us. In the power of the Spirit, seeing them, seeing them one to Jesus, seeing them come to Jesus, seeing their lives transformed, seeing them healed, seeing them delivered, seeing them set free. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they were, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up. Amazing thing. This is this guy, Peter, that had just that had been denying Jesus three times. But Jesus had said to him, Peter, when the time comes, I want you to turn back to me and I want you to strengthen your brothers. And I think this moment when and it says Peter stood up, that was under the direct unction of Jesus when he said to him, I want you to stand up and strengthen your brothers. Peter gets up. This, this whole thing's just gone down with, with, with 120 of them in the upper room. And Peter gets up and he preaches this preach, uh, explaining what has just happened. And this is what he says. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Follow Jesus, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Friends, can I just say this around the baptism of the Spirit? These men were, it looked like they were drunk. What we cannot do or shouldn't do as the church is take that thing of being drunk in the Spirit and misuse it and make it whacked. When the Spirit of God comes on us, and I'm going to talk about the manifestations of the Spirit of God when He comes on us, God can do anything with us. God can, God can manifest on us any way in the moment. I think the best way that I can understand what happens to us is when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us, our bodies are not designed for that reality yet. Our resurrection bodies will be. But our current bodies are not designed for eternal, infinite God to come and pour Himself out on us. And so our, sometimes our bodies kind of, some people fall over, some people feel a strange heat. D.L. Moody was a strange, it felt like liquid love being poured into him. It, our bodies respond differently. But what's, what's been common in the church now is we kind of, everybody wants to get drunk. There's this, come, let's just get drunk in the Spirit. Friends, must I tell you the greatest manifestation of the Spirit is witnessing boldly. That's the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Because you know what happens, friends? If you don't feel like you're getting drunk, you feel like you don't have the Spirit. So what we do is we categorize this thing. Friends, I am one. I am one. I've never fallen over under this being prayed for. And I was saying this morning, actually, I've, I've been to conferences. I've been, to all, I've been here. We've had people ministering here. I've had Randy Clark praying for me twice. I've had Bill Johnson laying his hands on me. I've had Georgian Banoff with his, he's the guy with the, with the violin that runs around and everybody falls over under the Spirit of God. I've had him on the stage. I was invited up onto a stage with a whole bunch of leaders in a, in a, at a conference. And a whole, literally rows of guys on the stage, and girls on the stage. And on there, 
was Bill Johnson, uh, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, Shay Hahn, all those guys of that, that group are, are, are a group, if you don't know them, they're a group that really go after the presence of God and love to see the presence of God move and do see the presence of God move. And we're standing on the stage and I am so pumped. So I'm thinking, man, Bill Johnson's going to come past and just touch me. First row, the guys start praying. George is just, bah, 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 bah. everybody's, shh. This thing and everybody's, ah. Anyway, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Lord, please. Just, just, I'm looking for you, waiting for you. And all I just hear is, boom, boom. Open my eyes, I'm thinking, flap. Guys are just falling, boom, down, down, boom, down, down, boom, boom, down, down, down. Next row in front of me, down, down. I'm thinking, God, finally. Ah, boom, 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 boom. And the guys are just going, shh, as they come around, this side, down, 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 guy next to me, down, shaking on the floor. I'm standing there. One, two, three, guys are touching. I'm standing there, nothing. Down, 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 down. Eventually, guys, I'm, I'm on this stage, you know, it's, this is in America, this is in America, in, in uh, can't remember the place. I'm, I'm standing there, I'm thinking, actually, I'm too scared to open my eyes. Anyway, I open my eyes and there is just bodies everywhere except me. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Friends, I tell that humorous story simply to say this. The manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life is bold witness and a release gift in your life. It's not what happens in the moment. What happens is you receive that thing by faith. You receive it by faith. We'll see now, actually, one of the, one of the results of receiving, receiving the Spirit is a, is, is, is a lot of people speak in tongues. The gift of tongues is given to you to edify yourself. Public tongues are given to edify the church and need to be interpreted so that people understand, otherwise it can't edify the church. And what happens here is that these guys get filled with the Spirit of God, looks like tongues of fire, there's this sound of a rushing wind coming upon them, and they start speaking in this different language. And then Peter gets up, and he starts to preach. These men are not drunk as you suppose. Oh yeah, that's where I was. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. No, this is what God always spoke about years and millennia ago, hundreds of years ago. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all the elders of the church. If you haven't got your Bible, it's a problem, because I've just read rubbish, what I've just said. It doesn't say that. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Who's all people? You are all people. I am all people. God says, I, the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. See, when the Spirit of God comes on, of, on us, it's like it activates the gifts within us and releases us into something more so that we can start to operate in power. Friends, the presence of God plus the power of God plus the Word of God plus your lived out life is an undisputable, extremely powerful thing in the kingdom of God. In fact, I don't think anybody can resist it. He says, I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before coming, 
before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the Spirit of God coming is around people getting saved. It's about people coming to Jesus. It's about people giving up their lives for Jesus, surrendering their hearts to Jesus, getting into God's story and saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you. And where have you been all my life? I love you. Take me into more of your story. Let your story become my story, Lord. That's what happens when the Spirit of God comes on us. Acts chapter 2. Let's move to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Peter and John are in jail. They get released. They come back to their own people, it says in verse 23. And reported, that all, reported all that the chief priests and the elders, elders had said to them. Those are the guys that arrested them. They whipped them. They put them in chains and all these things. When they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus. Indeed, these guys conspired against Jesus and killed him. Jesus, whom you anointed, they did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. That is so powerful. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're praying. Now, they're praying in the midst of persecution. They're getting persecuted by the Romans, Herod and Pilate. They're getting perse persecuted by the elders and the chief priests. They're getting persecuted by their own people. They're getting persecuted by the other people. They're under persecution. And get what, guess what their response is? First of all, they go back to the word of God. And they say, God, you did this. This is what David said. This is what we believe about you. In the midst of this threat, Lord, help your people to speak your word boldly. Help your word to be good witnesses. Help your people to be good witnesses. And they pray for the miraculous hand of God to move. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And there were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amazing, eh? They pray this prayer. They are hungry to minister. They're hungry to be ministers of God. They realize that they are the ministry team. It's not just the apostles. It's not just those that have fancy, got fancy titles. It's everybody gets to play in this venture. And so they get before God and say, God, please come. God shakes the building with his power, and he fills every single one of them with the Spirit of God, and they speak the Word of God boldly. What's amazing about this, friends, is not just that God moved in power, but these were the same people that were in Acts chapter 2. So what, what it shows us is that this baptism in the Spirit of God is not just a once-off thing. It actually can happen more than once. And in fact, friends, the old saying, we leak, we need to be filled continually. Friends, we have a, we have a moment. Every, every generation has a new baptism. Every, every season, I believe, has a new baptism. There's a, there's a song that we sang on the weekend. 
It was this. It's uh, speaking about the old flames and replacing the old flames with new fire. Friends, for the season that we're in and that you're in in your life right now, you need new fire, not old flames. You need new fire. You need a new fire. You need a new power. You need a new courage, a new boldness, a new resilience, a new, a new strength to take hold of what God has for you. And that comes, friends, from the pouring out of the Spirit of God into our lives. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this. We can do it in our flesh for a time. But eventually we burn out. Rather we burn up under the Spirit of God than burnt out in our own flesh. God's called us to be burning ones under the Spirit of God, not burnt out ones in our own flesh. And what, this, what these people do is they start to see that straight away. Let's move along to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he had said. With shrieks, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Philip goes out, persecution, under persecution, they go out, he starts preaching the gospel, things start happening, people get saved, and there's great joy in the city. The guys in Jerusalem hear about this, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of our, the Lord Jesus. So straight away we see there that you can, you, can, you can be baptized into the name of Jesus. You can be, have the indwelling spirit. You can, have, you can have something of Jesus. You can have Jesus in your heart, but you don't have the Holy Spirit on you for ministry. And so they recognize this, they go there, and the first thing that they do is they lay hands on them so they can be filled with the Spirit of God. Because they know that these new believers, these babies that have just been saved, are not there to hang around the, hall, the church building, they're there to get out and minister. And you can't minister unless you're full of power. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, it says. When Simon, the sorcerer, he was around there, magician, doing his fancy things. Saw that what the Spirit was given at the laying on of hands of, of the apostles. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he offered them money and said, Give me this ability to, uh, so that I can also pray and lay my hands and then receive the Spirit. So it was so evident, the change was so evident, that Simon the sorcerer checked this thing and said, Hang on now, I want that. Give, can, or how, much do I want, how much can I give you so that I can have that ability as well? Anyway, they tell him, like, listen, you're a loony tune, but out of here, you've got a bad heart, and get out of here, basically. But the point of it is this, is that this unbelieving guy looks at this and thinks, hang on, what's happening here? Something significant is released into their lives. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. This is the story of Paul, the salvation of Paul. He gets, blind, he gets knocked over blind, Blinded by the, by the light of God, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show you how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. Paul the apostle gets struck down, he's struck blind, a man goes and prays for him and he, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even water baptized. See, God always messes with our stuff and our theology and our thinking. You think, well, Lord, we must get saved, get water baptized, get full of the Holy Spirit, and then go and minister. You know, Paul, he gets the order a bit mixed up. See, God's not, messed, not worried about our stuff. He wants people filled with the Spirit of God so that they can get on with the job that he's got us for. Verse 9, Acts chapter 10. Peter is speaking to the, in the house of Cornelius. Peter's just had a radical encounter with God. We God has shown them that the Gentiles are actually meant, are the, the, the Gentiles are for salvation as well, not just the Jews. And he's been, he sees the sheet coming down full of unclean things. He's eating pork, he's eating snakes, he's eating all sorts of things. And God says to him, hey, listen, by the way, you're allowed to eat. He says, but surely not, Lord. How can we do that? I'm a clean Jew. He says, no, 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 actually, it's, it's cool because they're also, they also going to be clean in my name. Friends, what we, you know when God wants to move with us and take us into something new, our first response is always, surely not, Lord. Actually, God, God not only messes us with our order and our theology, He messes with our hearts and our brains as well. Like, He's not scared about that stuff. He'll just change the whole thing. And eventually what happens here is Peter now goes back to you, says, okay, I get the picture that God doesn't show favoritism. Anyway, he comes back to Peter's, uh, Cornelius' house and he starts talking about the gospel. He speeches, talks the, the gospel through, how the Holy Spirit moved with power. Verse 38 is one of those favorite, one of those big verses, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth uh, with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. <coughs> that text, often we talk about Jesus moving in power. But that is part of a story where he's telling the gospel to these Gentiles. He's giving them the gospel and who Jesus was and what he did. And this is what happens in verse 44. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on them who heard the message. It's actually quite phenomenal that. The Holy Spirit came upon them who heard the message. Just thinking like, how many of them believed the message? But those who heard the message, the Spirit of God falls and messes with the theology again. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then, he, they, they, then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Amazing. Yeah, these guys now, I, I don't even know where they were in God, but the Spirit of God falls on them. They then start speaking in tongues, and then they get baptized in water. Messing with our order again. Baptized in water. And, and what happens is it's the very evidence that actually these people are actually meant to be part of the plan. You see, if there's one thing in the Scriptures that showed the people of God in Jesus' day that actually Gentiles were meant to be in, was that they received the baptism of the Spirit. They received the baptism of the Spirit. You see that in chapter 11, verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came upon them as He had done on us in the beginning. 
So Peter's saying, actually, these guys received it just like he did with us then. They received it as well, and actually, so they must be with us as well. This thing of the baptism of the Spirit, friends, is so fundamental to our Christianity. You know, in in Hebrews chapter 6, it mentions the foundations of the faith. He says, moving on from these childish things, these, these baby things, this milk kind of word. And, and you know what the foundations of, you know what two of the foundations of faith are? One is the instructions on baptisms. And another one is on the laying of hands. Those were baby things for the early church. That was milk. Everybody knew baptisms. Baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in fire. Laying on of hands was just the normal part. That was baby stuff. When you laid on hands, something happened, God imparted something. Let's move along. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. While, Paul was at, uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told them to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 men in all. And these 12 men changed the whole world. So what you have is you have this group that Paul says, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Uh, no, we haven't, John. Uh, uh, believe in Jesus. And then it says, and he prayed for them. He laid hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit. And they spoke in tongues. And there was 12 men in all. Friends, this, uh, this, this thing of the baptism in the Spirit, this thing of, of being filled with, clothed with, the Bible talks about being filled, speaks about being clothed with power from on high. Uh, uh, there's different ways that it talks about the Spirit coming upon us. But it's like this external thing coming upon us. And we cannot do Christianity without that. You know what? You can do Christianity without mission without that. If Christianity is all about you and all about what you have in God and who you are in God and about you and belonging and all that stuff and da-da-da-da, which is absolutely key, you don't need the baptism in the Spirit because you have the indwelling Spirit. But friends, as soon as you understand that God's story is for us to get out there into the nations and into the city, and into our workplaces to start preaching the gospel. Actually, we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit because that is what releases the power for us to minister. Friends, big idea, we are all ministers in the gospel, and to be good ministers of the gospel, we need the power of God. Power of God. And as I've shown you through the scriptures here, it goes right the way through. One of the, one of the big manifests, one of the big things that when you get baptized is this thing of tongues. I spoke about it earlier. These guys speak in tongues before they get baptized in water. These guys speak in tongues after they have. It's it kind of God messes up with the order. But the point is, the big, big idea is, you get saved. You need to be baptized in water. You, there's, there's this filling of the Spirit, and, and often it's accompanied by the, by the uh, speaking of in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues when you get filled with the Spirit of God, don't be under condemnation, because not every place here says that they did speak in tongues. Don't be, if you don't fall over, if you don't feel a massive sensation, don't feel condemned, don't feel like, well, I haven't got it. No, by faith you have got it, and God will manifest himself more and more on you as you get more and more hungry for him. 
And so what we want to do tonight is we want to pray for some people to be filled with the Spirit. Because actually, we're a church. We are a church that wants to send people out. We're a church that believes that doing church within the four walls of a building is not the entire entity of being a Christian. In fact, that's just the half-time place. That's just the place we get courage, we get put back on track, we, get, we, 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 we worship together in a dynamic of worship, and we celebrate together. But actually, friends, our job is not here. It's out there. And out there needs the filling of the Holy Spirit so that we can do our job. It's absolutely exhilarating and powerfully impacting when we, are, we take hold of these truths, friends, and say, God... My love for the nations, my love for my neighbor, my love for, the, for ministry, my love to, to reach out to others, Lord, please empower me so that I can be an effective witness, a bold witness for you. Catalyzing gifts, catalyzing things in our lives, making us credible witnesses for Him. If that's you tonight and, and you want to be baptized, and I, and I pray it's everybody, if you've never been baptized, this is your night. If you've been baptized in the Spirit of God before, Remember, it's over and over again. That's for you as well. I'd love for you to come forward as the band plays, and we're going to lay hands on you and trust God to fill you. If you've never spoken in tongues, I pray that God will, uh, would, would give you a tongue this, this evening. Let's stand together.